All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Kabbalah Cafe. This is our way to get the week started with some, what I like to call, PK. What is PK, you ask? Not a penalty kick. This is not soccer. You know what PK is? PK is power Kabbalah. Power Kabbalah. This is a mystical way or a way to get the week started with a jolt of Jewish mystical thought and Hasidic philosophy. So, the course that we're starting, uh, the new series that we're starting today is called Garments of the Soul. Now, I would, I, would, I would imagine that most of us have a recognition that garments are for the body and a soul doesn't need garments, which makes this title, hey Norm, a little bit strange. What are these garments of the soul that we are speaking of? Um, but as we'll see, garments of the soul play a very important role. And, um, and indeed, they are... Hold on, Norm, let's get... Uh, hook him up with a chair. No, no, we got, we got a chair over here. We're going to pull in. Thank you very much. <laughs> Norm, we got the best seat in the house for you. Because <laughs> this is my good side. The reason why I say that is because this is my good side. Nah, you're good. Norm, you're good. <laughs> we'll see you soon. So, uh, so the question is, what are these soul? What are these garments of the soul that this title speaks of? Before we get into that, before we address that question, we need to address the overall theme of the series. And the overall theme of the series is the notion of personal change and the capacity that we have for personal change. In other words, very simple question. How much change can a human being expect to achieve in their own life? Each one of us has a personality. Each one of us has character traits, for better or for worse. And the simple question is, how much can we really change? We all aspire, I can't say we all, many of us aspire to personal change. We aspire to better ourselves. We make New Year's resolutions, whether that's January 1st or Tishrei 1st, i.e. Rosh Hashanah or on our birthday, or on another special occasion. We aspire, I think many of us, most of us, aspire to, to grow, to change, to improve ourselves. And the question is, is there a ceiling? Is there a cap on that change? Or can we, is there a possibility to achieve what I would call radical change, radical transformation? Or, that's on the one hand, or are we kind of stuck the way we are, whether it's nature, nurture, the product of, of, of our environments, whatever it is, are we perhaps um, stuck in that space? That is really at the, at the, at the core of this, of this series, of this text that we're going to study together over the next several weeks. It's about the limits or the non-limits of personal change. And to understand that, to figure that out, the first step is to really understand what's going on under the hood of the human psyche. What is our personality like? What is our soul potential like? Once we understand those things, then we can address the questions that I asked before. Now, before we get into all of this, before we get into the text, and by the way, everyone will receive a little booklet that has the text that we'll be studying. You can leave it in between sessions. You can take it in between sessions. Whatever it is, it is up to you. Um, be that as it may, uh, this, is the, hmm, that? this is the booklet that we will be studying together, but today we're going to be studying a handout that is a bit of an introduction to what we'll be studying. But before we get into that, I'm going to give you another introduction. 
About two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago, a former football player died. His name, football player, actor, thank you, Jim Brown. Anybody familiar with Jim Brown? Yes? Huh? Jim Brown, huh? He's like uh, old school. Born in St. Simons, Georgia. Oh, nice. All right. Play for Cleveland Browns. So Jim Brown has an interesting legacy. Why do I say he has an interesting legacy? Because on the one hand, as a football player, he's a legend. Right? One of the most prolific running backs, right? Ever to have graced the football field. I grew up in the era of Walter Payton. And a little later, Barry Sanders. Those are little guys, fast guys. Yeah. Jim Brown was just, right, like a truck. He was a bruiser. At the same time, at the same time, he has a little bit of a complicated legacy. Because, and, and I'm not, my, my, the point today is not to bring up, not to drudge up negativity, but the reality is that there were various allegations, charges, etc., about him in his domestic life that, uh, that, that raises a lot of questions about his hero status or his, uh, should he be in that hero status? Raises some valid questions. So the reason why I mentioned Jim Brown is for a very simple purpose, and that is to say that it's very hard to, um, to define people as either good or bad because usually the truth lies somewhere in the middle. When I say in the middle, truth is complicated. Truth is complicated. The truth of human beings is complicated. People have tremendous virtues and they have tremendous vices. Some people do tremendous good and at the same time do tremendous negativity, tremendous bad. Life is complicated and people are complicated and people sometimes, oftentimes, live dual lives. Why? Because human beings are human beings. That's the nature of things. And, by the way, I'm not giving a pass to negative behavior and saying, well, they're only human. That's not my intention. My intention is to point out simply that the same person could do some good things and can do some negative things. And even with it, it's not just football versus morality. Football versus you know, an ethical life. Um, what I mean is even within the realm of ethical behavior, a person can be ethical and unethical and, and contain both of these dynamics. What was that, uh, what was that dual? Um, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, right? That was the same guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? Who would have thought? The same guy? Could be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. What movie was that? Um, Some movie where he turned into... Right. Liar, liar. Liar, liar. liar. There you go. Yeah. Little little Jim Carrey retro. Or his personality. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So what's the point of all this? The point is that human beings are complicated and... You know, when, when we believe that people are either good or bad, it's just, first of all, it's not a, it's not a, true, it's not a true assessment, it's not a true um, perspective. 
and we miss out on a lot of important nuance, whether one way or the other way. In other words, if we see somebody you know, doing something that we don't think is, is good, there's a tendency today, maybe it's always been this tendency, to throw out their entire body of work. There's a name for this in modern culture, right? What do we call it? Cancel. cancel. They've been canceled. What's, what, is, what does cancel mean? Cancel means the person does something wrong, legitimately wrong. But because of that, the entire body, the entire spectrum of whatever they've done is out. No nuance. And, and conversely, if someone does something good, there's a tendency, there's been a tendency to whitewash all the, the negativity and to say, you know what? They didn't do anything wrong because they're my hero. Both perspectives, both either or. It's not either perfect or negative. There is, most people lie somewhere in the middle. Excellent. Yeah, Benini. So today we're going to speak about three personas based on the Talmud, which is the, uh, the primary work of Jewish law, as well as based on the teachings of Jewish mystical thought. I'm going to pass these around. Please take a copy. I'll put, it, I'll put this up on the screen as well. We have a lot to talk about, so let's, uh, let's start getting to this. All right, please take and take and take and pass. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right. All right, does everybody have a copy or it's still coming around? Still coming around the bend. All right, we begin with a quote from the Talmud. And this is the Talmud Tractate Barachot. Talmud Tractate Barachot 61b. By the way, just uh, as a, a, a point of clarification, I will modify the translation to drop. This translation I got from Safaria, which is a great resource. Um, but, you know, I, I just copied and pasted it. There's a little bit of, uh, of modification that I'll make. I'm going to begin by reading this. Rabbi Yosei HaGalili says, he describes three kinds of people. The good inclination, Yetzir Tov, rules the righteous. As it is stated, and my heart is dead within me, Psalms 109.22, which means, i.e., the evil inclination has been completely banished from his heart. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. So, Rabbi Yosef is going to describe three types of people. The tzaddik, the righteous person. The rasha, the not-so-righteous person, the evil person. And, number three, the benini. Benini means the one in the middle. The intermediate guy or person, or the average, the average person. Okay, so he first talks about the tzaddik. He says that tzaddik is ruled by his or her Yetzir Tov good inclination. And the quote that he uses, that he cites from Psalms, is where King David says, My heart is dead. Chalal means, um, chalal is a corpse. It's, uh, it's also void. Chalal as a whole is empty, but it also means a corpse. He says, my heart is dead within me. What was he saying? He was unfeeling. 
He couldn't love anymore after heartbreak. What was he saying? My heart's dead within me. He was saying that my negative inclination, right, is dead within me. I no longer have an evil inclination. Okay, so that's one category of person. Next, the evil inclination rules the wicked. The rasha, the wicked person, is ruled by their evil inclination. As it is stated, transgression speaks to the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Okay. That's category number two. So tzaddik is one, rasha is two, benini, and, and it's important that we learn these terms, tzaddik, righteous, rasha, not so righteous, i.e. evil, and benini means someone in between. And here, I don't, I don't like the translation, middling people, middling almost sounds to me like <laughs> meddling. Like meddling people. No, it's not meddling. Middling people. He means in the middle, right? The in-betweener. Middling people are ruled by both the good and evil inclinations, as it is stated, because he, God, stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from them that rule his soul. So this is referring to someone to whom God assists to protect them from the negative inclination that that lies inside, which means that this person is struggling between their good and evil inclinations. So, in summary, before we continue, in summary, there are three categories. Tzaddik means no evil inclination, dead. The evil inclination part is dead, only positivity inside. That's category one. Category two, on the other extreme is the Russia, the wicked person. The wicked person has only an evil inclination. And in the middle is the Benini. The Benini has both the good and evil inclinations that are ruling. It says middling people are ruled by both the good and evil inclinations. And we had a verse. Yes. Why did you say my heart is dead? Yeah. My heart is a reference to the evil inclination. But heart, within the heart, it's purity and good. The heart could be good. Yes. Excellent. Good question. The Heart is a euphemism often, not always, not exclusively, but often, or sometimes at least, to the negative or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The primal. Lust versus love. It's more lustful. Destructive. Is it emotion? It's, but it's not just because emo- emotion would be neutral, but it's right. It's got a negative. It's a lustful, reactive, um, vindictive. That's. Not always, the heart is not evil. The heart in and of itself. But in this context, when, when, when King David says, my heart is dead within me, and according to the sages, it means that after his incident with Bathsheba, which we're not going to go over right now, but after that he fasted and fasted and fasted to the point where he worked on himself and got rid of that evil inclination. So as the Talmud says, he hargo he, 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 um, um, he killed, he, he, he slew it, slayed it, What's the past? What's a past participle, huh? Slew. He slew. Slew, slayed, sly. Slither. <laughs> Slytherines. Anyway, he killed. He, uh, he, he decimated. He got rid of his evil inclination. You don't kill it. It's never permanent. Well, so interesting. Interesting. So in Tanya, he thought, okay, so we're going to get into this. Is it ever gone? Or is it in such a deep slumber that it's not going to awaken on its own? Good. There's different levels of tzaddik. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Thank you for what. So, getting back to the question. So, why heart? 
So typically, not typically, sometimes the heart is a reference to the reactive, to the um, negative, protective part of self, whereas the head is, the, the, the mind is synonymous with the more mindful and, and rational part of self. So, for example, if somebody says something that is, um, that might be offensive, and you get very upset, and you want to say something back that's, you want to say, you, you want to reply with something very negative and hurtful, because you feel hurt, you want to hurt the other person, that's coming from the heart. Whereas the mind would say, slow down, maybe they've had a very bad day, maybe they didn't mean it that way, maybe you're just reacting in a way, you know, slow it down. The mind would be a little bit more mindful about it, be able to slow it down. So the heart is very much associated with, often, um, with like a primal reaction, which is not always our best self. That doesn't mean that the heart can't be pure. It doesn't mean that the heart is, is bad. In this context, that is the reference. But it's not a wholesale definition, yeah. Yes, but in this case, when he says my heart is dead with me, it means the negative realm of emotions that are stemming from the evil inclination. By the way, all of this we're going to get a little bit, de- not a little bit, much, much deeper in. This is only by way of intro from, from the Talmud. Now let's continue. So we have now three categories, the good, the evil, the good, the bad, the ugly. No, the good, the evil, and the middle. Let's continue. Rabba said, Rabba said, now, who's Rabbah? Rabbah was one of the great sages of the Talmudic era. Rabbah, the son of Nachmeni. Rabbah said, people like us are middling. Kegoin anna benini is the original phrase. Kegoin anna benini. Like us and like me. I'm, I'm an example of a benini, of a middle person. Abaya, his student and nephew, said to him, if the master claims that he is merely middling, he doesn't leave room for any creature to live. If a person like you is middling, what are the rest of us? If you're only the average, <laughs> if you're a tzaddik, we could be average. If you're average, we're in trouble. <laughs> That's what he says. That's how it ends. Huh? Check, please. <laughs> okay. Now, who was Rabbah? We just spoke about Rabbah. Rabbah claims self-proclaimed benini. Kegoyin anna benini. Like, like us, like me, I'm a benini. Okay. That's what Rabbah says. But who was Rabbah? Just so you know who Rabbah is, let's take a look at the next uh, section called Non-Stop Study. It's a new album I'm putting out. I'm kidding. Non-Stop <laughs> Study. Um, I, I struggled a lot with this um, as to how much of this Talmudic, this is from a different section in Talmud, from Bava Metziah 86a. I struggle with this to figure out how much I should cite. I really wanted to quote like a few pages worth of stuff. And it was very hard for me, just so you know. It was very hard to limit it to what I, to what I, uh, to what I shared with you here in this excerpt. But here's what I skipped. I'm going to say very brief. Rabbah got in trouble with the government. What happened? There were basically individuals in the government that were a little anti-Semitic, a little anti-Rabbah. They, they, they didn't like him. They wanted to get rid of him. This was in Babylonia, in Bavel, back in the day. Um, this is going back, what, 1,700 years or so? 
So there was someone in the government, or maybe more than one person in the government, that had, a, that had some beef with Rabbah, wanted to get rid of him. And so they put in a complaint to, I don't know, the king, the governor, the minister, whoever it was, that Rabbah was causing problems in the kingdom, in the, in the country. What was the problem? That he was gathering people to study Torah, and because of that, they weren't working, and because of that, they weren't paying taxes. Right? Familiar. Right? So the Jews weren't paying taxes, or as much as they could have, and they worked. And whose fault was it? Rabbah Bar Nachmeni. He was the guy. He was the guy at the source of all the problems. Fine. So here's what happens. He's running for his life. This guy is running for his life. He's hiding. They're trying to catch him. He's ducking. It's very complicated. Take a look. Take a look at this. In midst of his running away from these people that are trying to capture him, arrest him, and, and, and get rid of him, um, something interesting, something else interesting happens. He, what happens? Okay, the ta- somewhere, the ta- somewhere in the middle of the story, the Talmud inter- interjects with this. The sages in the heavenly academy, heavenly academy means like up in heaven. They're studying Torah, I guess. And there's a disagreement in the heavenly academy. They were disagreeing with regard to the laws of tzarat leprosy. And here's a bit of a general note. In general, a leprous spot, it's not really leprosy. It's like a biblical leprosy, which is a spiritual malady. Anyway, in general, a leprous spot includes two signs of impurity, which is a bright white spot and a white hair. So in other words, the the skin discoloration includes a white spot and white hair. If it has a white spot and white hair in it, then it is a leprous spot. Let's continue. If the snow-white leprous sore, the baharet, preceded the white hair, then the afflicted person is ritually impure. So in other words, if the skin first discolors, and then a white hair comes out of the skin, then, as, uh, what's his name used to say? You just might be, no, you just might be a mitzora. Who was that? Who's the comedian? Who's that? You just might be... A redneck. No, who was the guy who said that? Jeff Foxworthy, right? You just might be a mitzvah. If you have, right, if the skin turns white first and then the white hair, okay. However, if the white hair, but if the white hair preceded the baharet, he is pure. Okay, so if first you have the white hair and then you have the discoloration, that's not sarat. What's the debate? What was the debate in heaven? The heavenly debate concerned the case of uncertainty as to which came first, the spot or the hair. What if somebody discovers one day they have a white spot and white hair and they don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg or the white hair or the spot? Now you don't know. So is it pure or is it impure? So here we have a dispute. Classic case of machloket, but I bet you never saw this before. The Holy One, blessed be, he says, you know who that is, right? Okay, the individual is pure. But every other member of the heavenly academy says he is impure. First of all, you would think if God is in the academy, who has a vote? (laughs) Who else is voting? Why are there other votes? How does this make sense? It's It's a wild story. And we're not even, we're just getting started with this story. So God says, pure. If you don't know, you err on the side of leniency, pure. Every other member of the heavenly academy says, Tame impure. He's got Sarat. So now what? Now it's a stalemate. 
You can't really vote by majority because it's God on the other side. <laughs> so God is worth probably more than one vote, but it's not unanimous either. So what do you do? God is one. Well, well done. It's like the guru that goes to the hot dog stand, right? Make me one with everything. <laughs> then he pays with a 20, and the guy pockets it. And the guru says to the guy, where's my change? And he says to him, change comes from within. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the story. So, so this was the machloket. Pure or impure, God says pure. The other members say impure. And they said, who can arbitrate in this dispute? Now who's going to arbitrate? They agreed that Rabbi Bar Nachmeni should arbitrate. As Rabbi Bar Nachmeni once said, I am preeminent in the laws of leprosy. Okay, so he was self-proclaimed an expert in these laws. And so in the academy in heaven, they said, okay, we need someone else to be machria, to arbitrate. And who they call? Who were they wanting? Rabbi Nachmeni. Now, one second, before you turn the page, if there's a dispute in heaven, in matters of law, and somebody on earth can arbitrate, how do you get them to arbitrate? What do you think? You bring them up. And how does that happen? Yeah. Let's continue the story. Uh, yeah, it's taking a morbid twist here, folks. Huh? I know, there was some. Yeah. Okay, so next page. Here you go. They sent a messenger from heaven after him. This messenger was not bringing candies. <laughs> this was a messenger to take his soul up to the heavenly academy. But the angel of death, that was the messenger, the angel of death was unable to approach him as his mouth did not cease from his Torah study. Now there's a general rule. The angel of death cannot touch someone who's studying Torah. That's the rule. That's the rule. Huh? It's good to know, right? It's good, good to know. By the way, apparently it counts if you're listening to a podcast and have your earbuds in. I'm kidding. I don't know if it does, but maybe it does. Maybe, maybe just keep something on a loop. Anyway, <laughs> this is the Anti-Death Podcast sponsored by the Torah Center. Sorry. Yeah, right. It's like, sorry, angel death, take a number because I'm studying now. Okay, so the angel was able to approach him as his mouth did not cease from his Torah study. In the meantime, in the meantime, a wind blew and howled between the branches. Rabbi Bar Nachmeni thought that the noise was due to an infantry battalion, Gunda, I guess that's an Aramaic word for it, about to capture him. Why were they about to capture him? Remember I told you he was on the run from the government? So he hears this noise outside, and the noise sounds like it might be a battalion coming after him. Next thing you know, he interrupts. He said, let that man, referring to himself, me, die and not be given over to the hands of the government. So he interrupts the study and he says, I'm going to go down fighting. I'm not going to go into the hands of the government. In the meantime, he's not studying Torah. And the angel of death was therefore able to take his soul. This is the story about how, how Rabbah, Rabbah, Bar Nachmani, how he passed away. As he was dying, listen to this. As he was dying, he said in response to the dispute in heaven, it is pure, it is pure. Tahar, Tahar. Who do you side with? God. Not a bad, not a bad. <laughs> we were talking about um, <laughs> getting uh, good favor in the eyes of the teacher, right? He's about to go up. God, you're always right. Absolutely. The praying won't save you, but 
Torah study. Torah study. Yeah. From prayer to, I mean, from study to prayer. He was a. It was a prayer that that when he got killed, he was praying. No. No, 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 no. He said no. He he said that he should die. Let that man me die and not be given over to the hands of the government. He wasn't thinking about Torah study at that point. He was thinking about his own mortality and his his capture by the government. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I think so. So as he was dying, again, he said in response to the dispute in heaven, it is pure, it is pure. A divine, verse, a divine voice sorry, emerged from heaven and said, Happy are you, Rabbi Barnachmeni, as your body is pure and your soul left with the word pure. He died with the words pure, pure, pure on his mouth, on his lips. If God rules all the time, what's the purpose of the academy unless they could change God's mind? So good. It seems like, notwithstanding God's pull, it seems like it, things are subject to a vote. We also know that there are stories in the Talmud where God is overruled by, uh, by the sages. There's a famous story, the Achnai oven. There's a dispute about a certain oven, whether it has a, a status of pure or impure. Um, and all the rabbis said pure. One rabbi said impure. And the rabbi that said impure was a single voice. He was the most brilliant sage of the time, Rabbi Eliezer. And he said, if I'm right, let the tree prove it. And a carob tree jumped and moved. And a, then a stream moved backwards. And the walls of the academy started caving in. He basically performed all these miracles to try to prove that he was right. And the rabbis didn't relent. And then a voice rang out from heaven and said, why do you argue with Rabbi Eliezer? He's always right. And Rabbi Yeshua turns, the other, one of his colleagues turns to heaven and says, we don't listen to, to voices from heaven. Torah is love Shemaim. Torah is not in heaven. Torah is down here. And so we go with the consensus down here. And it says later on, it says that what was God doing at the time? God was, was smiling and saying, my children have uh, bested me. My children are best of me. So it seems like God doesn't mind to be outvoted. But they called this, they called Rabbi Barnachmeni, and he agreed with God. So that was, that was I guess, the, the psaq, the ruling. Be that as... Right. Right. It's given, once Torah is given to us, then it's... But it seems like there are debates in the Heavenly Academy, and, and I guess there's uh, some consultation that happens. The point of all of this, the reason why I brought this, is so that we get a bit of an insight into the character and the piety of Rabbi Barnachmeni. He was a guy who gathered people to study Torah. He was a guy who uh, did so in defiance, or I don't know if it's in defiance of the government, but even though it got him in trouble. And this is somebody who even the angel of death could not get him because he was studying Torah consistently. You with me on this? And what did he say about himself? Rabbi Barnachmeni is the same Rabbi that we quoted before. And what did Rabbi say about himself? He's a Benin. You kidding me? Rabbah? The guy that the angel of death couldn't take? Rabbah's a Bainani? What about us? We're toast. <laughs> right? We have, no, we have no chance anymore. If Rabbah's a Bainani, the guy that studies Torah day and night that the angel of death can't touch him until he can, right? That, he's a Bainani? He's average? Wow. So clearly we need another definition of what a Bainani is. What is this average person? Uh, you know, what, what does that even mean? What is the, who is the Russia? Who is the, sorry, who is the Tzadik? Who is the Russia? Who is the Benini? 
And so what I'd like to do right now is share with you the definition or the understanding of these definitions as described in the book of Tanya, which is the Bible of, um, of Chabad Hasidic thought. So it says in Tanya the following. These three terms mean a little bit more than what we think they mean. What three terms? Tzaddik, righteous, Russia, not righteous, and Benini, average. What do they mean? A tzaddik, and this is important for us to know because it helps us kind of figure out where things lie within ourselves. A tzaddik is someone who not only does the right thing, but only wants to do the right thing. This is somebody who every desire is positivity and goodness. The Russia, conversely, on the other extreme, is somebody who not only does, neg- does negative things, but they want to do negative things. They want to do the negative, and they do the negative. Who is the Bainini? The Bainini is a psychological Russia but a behavioral tzaddik. The Bainini is a psychological Russia and behavioral tzaddik, which means psychologically on the inside, the Bainini has all the vices, temptations, etc., as the Russia. But unlike the Russia, he or she, the Bainini, acts in a way that is righteous and virtuous, not succumbing to those temptations on the inside. Which means, one second, which means on the inside, the Bainini is as flawed and as confused and as conflicted as the Russia. But unlike the Russia, on the outside, when I say outside, in the world of action, the Bainini is engaging in the same behavior as the Tzaddik. So I'll give you an example. Somebody says to you, you know, I'm going to be, I'm moving... Uh, houses, and, you know, can you help me schlep boxes? I'm going to use this example as being one of virtue, which that itself can be argued, but we're just going to use that, that type of understanding. So someone says, someone, uh, someone asks you, you know, so, uh, um, can you help me move schlep boxes? The, the tzaddik, again, assuming this was a moral thing, which is not necessarily a moral thing, right? it could just be a back issue, but assuming that it's a moral question, the tzaddik would, the tzaddik would want to help and say, yes, I'll, I'll be there for you. The Russia, good morning, good morning. The Russia, the Russia's perspective is, thank you. The Russia's perspective is, I don't want to help, I'm going to say no. The Bainini's perspective is, I don't want to, but I will. But they won't say that, because that's rude. It's like, I really don't want to, but I will anyway. <laughs> Give you another example. It comes to a mitzvah. Choose your favorite mitzvah. Actually, maybe choose your not favorite mitzvah. Whatever it is. When it comes to any mitzvah, any mitzvah of the 613. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome. So when it comes to any mitzvah, Right? The tzaddik wants to do it and does it. The rasha doesn't want to do it and doesn't do it. And the bainini, part of that bainini doesn't want to do it, but does it anyway. 
Again, the Bainini is a behavioral, uh, sorry, a psychological Russia and behavioral tzaddik. Does that make sense? Yes? I mean, how often in our lives have we done things that we don't like doing? All the time. All the time. The famous example that I like to give is when it comes to driving. Right? We learn the rules of the road. And the rules of the road are when you come to a red light, you got to stop. It doesn't say you have to like stopping. Say you have to want to stop. When you come to a red light, you should be excited about stopping. No. We legislate behavior, not emotions. Right? We tell you stop, not want to stop or not want to stop. What if I, what if I really want to go somewhere? What if I really want to get to my destination? I'm driving my kids to a Braves game, and they're really excited. We're all really excited to get to the game. Why? Because we want to get to the um, batting practice because the kids want to catch a ball. Yeah, happens every time. Yeah, they want to catch a ball, so we go early, and so we're driving. And then we get to a red light. It would be way more convenient to take the red light. Why? Because we'll get there sooner. But the law is the law. And so, although there's a conflict internally, i.e. part of me knows the value of stopping, part of me, I'm just giving an example. Not necessarily am I that conflicted when it comes to red light, but conceptually, part of me wants to get there, Right? I nonetheless stop without complaining. That is acting like a bainani. A bainani means that you're doing the right thing even though on the inside you're conflicted. Because each of us lives a dual life. There's the inner life that we live and the outer life that we live. And I'm defining inner and outer as the part of you that only you know about and the part of you that everyone knows about. The part of you that only you knows about is what you're thinking, how you're feeling, your conflicts, your likes, your dislikes, right? All of that stuff, all of that stuff is on the inside, only you know about. The stuff on the outside is how you manifest, how you show up in the world, what you say, what you do, how you express yourself. And so what Hasidus teaches us, Kabbalah Hasidus teaches us, is that we have a choice to defy our inner reality, which means either for good or for bad, right? Where we might not want to say the nice thing to someone else. We might not want to help the other person. We can do it anyway. We tell our kids that. right? Your kid has a friend over. Who's had this experience? Your kid has a friend over for a play date. And as it inevitably happens at a certain age, you know, the other kid takes a toy from the shelf of toys. And your kid, because again, it's a certain age, maybe it's not a certain age, I don't know, right? So what happens? So your kid starts crying or fighting, saying, what's the famous refrain that the child will say? That's my toy. And you're the parent, you're thinking, obviously it's your toy, it's your house. Everything in this, all the toys in this house will be your toys. By definition, when you have someone over and they're going to play, right, it means that they're going to use your toys. There's no other way about it. They're not coming with their own toys. It's not a thing. Maybe it's a thing. I don't know. I haven't seen that. Huh? Birthday present. Yeah, but. So, so you tell your child, I know it's your toy. And I know you want to play with it. But, share. 
And in that moment, such an amazing pedagogic moment, it's really setting success for life. What you're telling a child is you're validating the feelings. I know it's your toy. I know you want to play with your toy. 100% validated. However, share it. What you're teaching the child and reinforcing to yourself, if, you're, if, we're, if we listen to ourselves, parent, is the following message. You are not a slave to your feelings. Just because you don't want to, doesn't mean that you can't. You might not want to, and you still can. You might not want to share, you can still share. You might not want to stop at the red light, you can still stop at the red light. You might not want to smile, you can still smile. You might not want to say the nice thing, you can still do that. You can absolutely still do that. That's a choice. That's a choice that we have between the inside and the outside is where choice comes in. I might feel lousy, I can put on a happy face to someone else. I might not want to do the mitzvah, I can absolutely do it. This is the art of the Bainani. The art of the Bainani is how to show up in a healthy, happy, holy way, even when on the inside, I might not feel so cheery, holy, and so beautiful. It's about showing up like a tzaddik, even when I feel like a rush on the inside. Does that make sense? That is a bainani. A bain. Tzaddik has no issue. Exactly. Tzaddik has no struggle. The tzaddik has no tension. The bainani is living a world of tension. And by the way, the bainani could tell themselves, "Why should I be a hypocrite? If I feel lousy, maybe I should just project that." The tzaddik, the way we define tzaddik is, and this is the rare individual, if you find, one, let, find someone like this, let me know. Um, a tzaddik is defined as someone who not only does, says whatever the right thing, but who wants to do or say the right thing. In other words... He also solely think the right thing? Yes. Does not have yes. a Does not have a Does not have a he was just setting that up the whole time. Like, say, maybe, like, thinking bad and do, thinking good and do bad. Yeah, yeah. So we have, yeah, absolutely. We have that. Um, right, so your question is could it be the other way? Where on the inside you're feeling good and the outside it's coming up bad. I think, I mean, I think that's a rare, that's a rarity. And I think that would happen if on the inside there's also negative. I mean, where else would it come from? Whereas when it comes to the positive on the outside, I know I'm being, I'm being uh, kind of inconsistent and asymmetrical here with the presentation, you know, one way versus the other. But this is the way it's described in Kabbalah, is that where you, we, ch- choice comes in. You know, when you want to do the right thing and you do the right thing, that wasn't much of a choice. That's kind of autopilot. It's when you don't want to do the right thing and you do it anyway. And again, like I said before, this is something that we try to instill. And I don't know if, I don't know if we're that mindful about the process, but it's a very healthy thing to instill in children from the get-go, which is not you should enjoy sharing. Maybe you shouldn't enjoy sharing, but share anyway. Because if you're telling them to enjoy it and then do it, you're only setting up a very small percentage of good behavior, only when you feel like doing it. Whereas the real education is when you don't want to do it and you do it anyway. 
That's where, that's where, that's where the real magic happens. In, in, in Kabbalistic terminology, this is from Zohar, we call this iskafia. Iskafia means, there's no real one uh, word in, in English that describes it. Iskafia means conquering, conquering oneself or, or iskafia. Overcoming oneself? Overcoming, yeah. Overcoming is good. Conquering, not transforming. Transforming would be where you now want to do the right thing. That's self-mastery. Oh, but not transformation. Again, transformation would be the tzaddik. Transformation means now on the inside, I'm feeling love and generosity and holy. Superimposing. This is where I feel this, but I'm going to quell it. I'm going to push it down to do the right thing. This is the, the way Kabbalah understands it. This is the most um, important spiritual exercise that the average, i.e. 99.9999% of human beings need to do. Most people are not in the category of Russia, evil through and through. It's not. Most people are, most people are not a tzaddik, pure through and through. Most people have, are conflicted inside. Some good desires, some not so good desires, and the struggle is on how it shows up on the outside. And I just want to point out, I know there's some questions, I'll take them in just, just a second. Um, I think it's important to mention that the um, Kabbalah says that the main, um, the main area that we're meant to, to, to focus on and to work on is the outside, not the inside. Because the world doesn't really get changed from what's going on on the inside. It's about, we live in a world of action. We live in a world of Asiyah, right? There's a world of Atsilut, of emanation, Bria, spiritual creation, Yitzira, spiritual formation. We live in the world of Asiyah, a world of action. The, 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 the metric of this world is practical, tangible action or words, right? Speech. It's about, it's about something very practical happening or not happening. Somebody feels very generous inside, but never expresses that in the real world. It doesn't have, doesn't create change. Conversely, if someone feels very conflicted on the inside, but does acts of generosity, despite the inner turmoil, inner conflict, that creates tremendous change in the world. It goes the other ways about maybe you want to say something bad and you stop yourself from saying. Sure, absolutely. And that creates, that also makes change, right? If, 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 if I could have done something negative and I stop myself from doing something negative, the inaction in this case also creates change, i.e. the change is not putting that negative energy into play. I saw some questions before, yeah. So what about the opposite? What if inside you want to do something good, but for whatever reason, peer pressure, whatever, you don't do it? Yeah, so I don't know what term we would have for that. That's a psychological tzaddik and a behavioral Russia. I don't, yeah. that's not a bainany. That's complicated. <laughs> Kabbalah doesn't have a term for that. But it could happen. It could happen. Yeah. Listen, if somebody wants to do the right thing and out comes the negative thing, then it's an accident, right? I mean, if you didn't intend to do something negative and something negative just, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, resulted from that, I think that's out of your control. If peer pressure, but you gave in to the peer pressure, 
I don't know. Then we have to have a conversation. Then we have to have a more deep dive. Then we need to put the person on the couch and say, one second. <laughs> There's peer pressure, right? However, however, what's, uh, you know, why, why see to that peer pressure? Why give in? If, if there's not something inside, then maybe, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question, but... Say there's an anti-Israel protest. Okay. And you don't believe in it, but all your friends believe in it, you know, and, and going. And, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. But I, I would say this. Most people are not perfectly pure or, or I say pure, perfectly righteous or evil on the inside. Most people. Most people are... A little conflicted, a little good, a little not good. That's how I started today's uh, conversation. With, uh, you know, when we think of celebrities, right? that doesn't have to be celebrities. We think of ourselves. We have good inside. We also have not so good inside. We have um, desires, drives, inclinations that are positive, healthy, holy, and ones that are the opposite. The question really is, the way Kabbalah frames the question, it's not how you feel inside. It's what are you going to do about it on the outside? Or do we always have an evil inclination and a good inclination constantly struggling and sometimes one overcomes the other? It's the latter. Okay. However, however, and we're going to break this down further as we go through this text. However, one thing to bear in mind is that although the struggle happens naturally and organically on the inside, it's not like one magically overcomes the other. And then, because that would take away our role in it. Like, let them duke it out and I'm not held responsible because whatever that's, whatever God put inside me, they're going to fight it out and whatever emerges, emerges, but I have nothing to do with this. What emerges is always going to be the subject of a choice, whether it's action or inaction, um, to allow one or the other to come, to, to come out. In other words, when it comes into... Our outer world, I'm referring to the inner world and outer world. Inner world is how we feel inside. Outer world is what we do, et cetera. So when it comes into the outer world, that's always the subject of a choice, or at least it should be the subject of choice. So we are held, uh, it's not about responsibility. It's not the focus of today's point, but that's, that's where we come in to, to govern that. But doesn't all sin come from making that bad choice? Yes. Or allow... Yeah, I would say it's, um, it's, it's not just making the bad choice, it's allowing that bad choice desire to manifest. Correct. You've internalized this bad... Uh, yes. Yeah. Cheryl is writing here something interesting. Um, it seems that Freud's id, superego, and ego parallel the middling. Interesting. I don't know, if about, I don't know enough about Freud's uh, different layers, but that's an interesting comment. Thank you for writing that. I will say that Freud discovered the id, but he didn't discover the yid. Oh, Adam, hey. So becoming a tzaddik, is that when you speak of change of heart? Yes. And that's, again, how I started today's conversation. You know, can we aspire to be a tzaddik? That's really, if I were to rephrase the question I asked all the way at the beginning of today's conversation, you know, what, is, what are the limits of personal change, i.e., should we aspire just to be in control of what we're doing, we're saying, or should we also aspire to be in control of, of our heart on the inside? And is that even possible? 
become a pure tzaddik, it's probably, to become a tzaddik. probably not a reasonable... Uh, right. So Adam's saying, let's go for it. Sam is saying, probably not. And th- that's a, this is a good debate. Right? This is a good debate. It's a good conversation. You go for it, but the odds of achieving it are... Right. Don't go for something to control. Right. Or maybe we should go for it and then we fall somewhere close. That would be the question. I'm not weighing in on it. I'm just saying these are two perspectives and both are discussed in Kabbalah because this is exactly the, the, the energy of the conversation. On one hand, we would say, why even bother in the inside? Don't worry about the inside. You have this, you have this voice that you didn't put inside yourself. We didn't, we didn't make ourselves, right? So you have this voice inside that's always throwing at you these negative, oh, do this, don't do that, whatever, right? the negative stuff. So all, all our job is, is to be the gatekeeper, is to keep the bad stuff inside and allow the good stuff out. That's one perspective. Another perspective would be to go work on the inside. Yeah? Well, that's debatable. In other words, one could say that the value is increased when the inside is in a state of, uh, of the opposite of good. In other words, when a person doesn't want to give tzedakah and they give it anyway... That might be a greater mitzvah than the person that wants to get stuck and gives. I am not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything definitive. This is, this is all the opening. So we're just, we're just laying, out, we're laying out the pieces. But I, I, my point simply is that there are multiple ways of looking at it. One could say it's more virtuous when you want to do the right thing and do it. One might say it's more virtuous when you don't want to do the right thing and you do a scafia, which means you break yourself and you do the right thing anyway. One might say that that has more value. It's two different ways of looking at it. Um, so I, we don't do the right thing all the time. So that's not, I mean, there's all kind of levels of Balanidim because there's Rabbah and then there's people who are barely, you know, staying out of jail. So, right. Um, I don't know from, I know it, it, you can say that there's good and bad in, the, in our gut. You know, we have like, our soul is, is speaking or we can say it's our heart. And, but it, to me, it's, I think most Balanidim know the right thing to do. And we have the thought, but then our feeling is different. We feel like we want to eat the entire cake, but we know we should eat the spinach. You know? so, right, which is kind of why I said before heart and mind. Why the heart is, euphemi- it's not always bad, but it's, it's more of the, the passionate, which can get us in trouble yeah. sometimes. But I, and I think, I'm thinking that the, um, we know the right thing to do. Even Correct, even right. So in other words, we... Yeah. Most yeah, most of us, right? So, except for the Russia. The Russia would be pure inside out, not good. Right. The Russia is the extreme. Exactly. The tzaddik is extreme and rare, and the Russia is extreme and rare. Here's here's the big idea. The big idea is that I I agree with you. In other words, that we do have this sense of right and wrong inside. We also have this passionate desires, passionate desires inside that pull us in a different direction. I want to frame it this way. Remember the biblical story of Rebecca, Rivka? So she marries Yitzchak, Isaac. She marries him and um, she's not getting pregnant and she, they, they dive and they pray and then she gets pregnant. And her pregnancy is tremendously difficult. So she goes to a, a prophet, the oracle. Can we say oracle? No. Doesn't sound Jewish, but that's kind of what it was, right? This oracle prophet, seer, guru, hot dog purchaser. Kidding. Right, this, this, um, this spiritual individual. Huh? Right, exactly. Um, 
And she goes to this individual and she says, um, what's going like this pregnancy is difficult and and you know I, I wanted to get pregnant, but but not like this. And so this person, the this uh, spiritual prophet says to her, one thing. Mazeltov, you're pregnant with twins. twins. And they're struggling. When this one rises, the other one will fall. When the other one rises, this one will fall. And okay, she accepts the news, and that's it. And there's no mention of the struggle anymore. And the commentators asked the following question. If the pregnancy was difficult because of the two different dynamics, not just twins, but two different personalities inside, so then how did... Knowing about it, how did that help? Understand my question? Am I, am, did I ask that coherently? I don't know if I did. In other words, the fact that she now knows that there are twins that are struggling, how does that make the struggle easier? And I guess the answer is the question. Knowing what's going on makes it easier. Not knowing makes it more complicated. And I'll, let me just bring this all the way down very practically. Kabbalah teaches us that we all are pregnant with twins. Mazel tov. This is very progressive. We're all pregnant with twins, which means that we have these dueling, these dueling natures inside. We have the Yaakov, we have the Esav. We have the Jacob, we have the Esau. We all have these two dynamics inside. You see, the real psychological torment would happen if we were just one persona that was this way and that way, that would be crazy. That would be very frustrating. But since we're two personas, it all makes sense. One hour of the day, we feel holy and connected. We feel generous and loving. And the next hour of the day, we feel very selfish. We feel very uh, selfish and ego-driven. And a person might say, I don't understand. I felt so holy, and now I feel so unholy. What's going on? What's wrong with me? And Kabbalah says, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have twins. Mazel tov. Rivka was tormented. Why, when I walk by a yeshiva, does it feel like there's some excitement inside? And why, when I walk by a house of idolatry, does it feel like there's, there's some inner excitement? What kind of child is this who both wants to go to yeshiva, to go to shul, and... To serve idols. What kind of sugar child is this? What, what am I carrying? And the answer is, there's twins. You have two different personas inside. Every one of us has two personas inside. One way of thinking about this is, okay, raise your hand if you have a PC. If your computer is a PC. Okay, raise your hand if you have a Mac. Mac, Mac and PC. Okay, we have some Mac and some PC. Anyone run Linux? Oh, that's very brave. No. Nope. Okay. I'm very. I'm. I'm proud that I even know the word. <laughs> Papyrus. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh, but like writing. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm like, what operating system is that? You got me. That's hilarious. So one second. One second. So, so the way computers work, is that there are what's that? Oh. Oh. No worries. Oh, nice. Well, even the birds want to listen. Oh, really? 
Hey, you never know. You never know. So, so listen, there is a, um, so when it comes to computers, you have hardware and software. Right? The hardware is, I don't know, the hardware. <laughs> the computer, the screen, the chips. The software is what's running on the hardware. So, for example, if you have a Mac, you can run something called Parallels, I think, that can run both Mac and Windows. Is this correct? Can we run both Mac and, and, and Windows OS? Parallel. Parallels, parallel, parallels. Okay, the point is like this. You, can, you have one screen with dueling softwares inside. And the question, <laughs> talk, talk about a hard drive being fragmented. Remember defragging? Maybe defrag lately? I don't know. I haven't done that in a while. Um, here's the point. If we were just one, and we were pulled in two different directions, we, that would be cause for concern. How could one be pulled in two different directions? How could the same person want two different things? It's Meshuggah, it's crazy. The answer is, it's not the same person. Okay, it is, but it's not the same. It's coming from two different places inside. You have a godly soul, and you have an animal soul. You have a good inclination, you have, a ne- you have an evil inclination. You, there are dueling voices inside and each one has what it wants to do it has a whole suite of of activities and projects and and ideas that it wants to pursue the godly soul the higher self has its idea of what it wants to do and the animal soul, the lower self has its notion of what it wants to do and we are the arbiter we are arbitrator whatever we're the one that decides who passes out into the open? What, which self presents itself and steps forward in this moment? It's not even today. It's not a day-by-day decision. It's a moment-by-moment decision. Every moment, I have two voices inside, whether I'm aware of it or not. And the simple question is, which voice will I express in this moment? Whether it's through my words, my actions, or even my conscious thoughts. Because all of this stuff is happening in a sub, on a subconscious level. This battle is happening, this, this struggle is happening on a subconscious level. And on a conscious level is where we make the choice. What am I going to choose to think about in this moment? What am I going to choose to say? What am I going to choose to do? That's where I come in. And that's where free choice comes in. Most people are not a tzaddik. A tzaddik doesn't have free choice. A tzaddik just wants to do the right thing and does the right thing. Easy peasy. A rasha for the negative. Wants to do bad and does bad. It's the bainani where the magic happens. The bain, when I say magic, what I mean is the bainani is where? It's the bainani persona where, where the action is, is full throttle. The bainani is conflicted. The bainani is pregnant with twins. There's a Yaakov and an Esav inside each and every one of us. Assuming that we're not either extreme of Russia or Tzaddik. Right? We are the Benini. And inside of us we have these dueling personalities. And the simple question is, which voice are we going to project and express in this moment? Dr. Maxi. So my question is, instead of spending a lot of energy 
resisting my inner Asaf? Should I just spend all my energy feeding my inner Yaakov? And that is spending it in doing the mitzvot, doing Torah study, davening as a way of overcoming the Yitzhahara. Excellent question. King David writes in Psalms, Sur Tov. He says, steer away from negativity and do good. And the order that he puts it in sounds like the first step is quell the negative voice and then give rise or give a platform for the positive voice. But Kabbalah says oftentimes it's better to do the other way around like what you're suggesting. Focus on the positive. By the way, this is very much a a uh, modern Chabad, I want to say modern, the Rebbe's our generation message. The Rebbe was always promoting light. He says, if it's dark in the room, don't take a baseball bat and try to beat the darkness away. Just turn on the light. Right? You want to destroy the, you want to destroy the darkness? You're not going to get anywhere. Destroying darkness? Just light the light. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Exactly. When you take darkness... So seriously, then now you're now you're, you're going to lose anyway. So just to focus on the positive. So to your point, should our focus be on, 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 on pushing down, on sublimating the negative voice or giving rise to the positive? I would say start with the positive. The negative will come naturally. It's funny, I was learning a discourse from the author of the first Chabad Rabbi yesterday in the parsha, yesterday's Torah portion, and he says the same thing. He first presents the model where you start with, with, with negating the negative and then, and then advancing the positive. And he says, actually, it might be more effective to go the other way around. First advance the positive and automatically the negative will be, uh, will be pushed to the side. But just to kind of summarize this and, 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 and put this in, in, a, you know, in, in, a, in a nice tight package, to get ready for next week's uh, next step. So the big idea that I wanted to present today and hopefully came out is, as the Talmud says, there are three types of people. There's the tzaddik, there's the rasha, those are the extremes, and there's a benini. And Rabbah says, you want to know who a benini is? Kagoyin anna benini. Like us, like I, I'm a benini. And Abaya, his student, his nephew said, you kidding me? If you're a benini, then who are we? The way we now understand it is as follows. Rabbah obviously did everything right and didn't stop studying Torah. But Rabbah testified about himself, I am not always feeling perfect on the inside. Does that make sense? Behaviorally, absolutely atzantic. By any um, objective observer, by the measure of any objective observer, a, 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 a rabbah, tzaddik. Perfect behavior, saying the right thing, doing the right thing, complete tzaddik. Studying Torah all day, whatever it is. Tzaddik. But he said about himself, I'm a benini. A benini, the big idea today is, a benini is not someone who does 50% good things and 50% bad things, so they're, 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 they're in the middle like that. A bainini is somebody who's doing the right thing. The reason why he or she is called a bainini, i.e. in the middle, is because although on a behavioral level, they are like a tzaddik on a psychological or internal or subconscious level, they're on the level of a rasha. These are the three personas. And I would say all of us, 
just I'm assuming, you know, again, if, you, if, if I'm incorrect, if you're a tzaddik, then first of all, you wouldn't tell me anyway, so that's uh, perfect. Yeah, right? Well, I, I that right. He wouldn't say that about himself. He would not say that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, he just, he just reversed, he just reversed psychology in you. Un- unbelievable. Only a tzaddik would try to throw you off the trail by saying he's a tzaddik. Uh-huh. Anyway, back to the point. So, since we are all on uh, the level of Bainini, or aspiring to be Bainini, which means that despite how we feel, we're doing the right thing. Because of this, it's so important to understand what is it that we can change. Yes, we can modify our behavior, but can we work on the inside? This was the discussion we were having before, right? Can we work on the inside? Can we become more tzaddik-like in certain areas? Um, and... How do, we na- how do we navigate, as, I, as, I, um, as we, we discussed toward the end of today's session, how do we navigate these, this complicated pregnancy, as it were, or these, these complicated dueling forces on the inside? How do we navigate these two realities? So in, in our next session, we are going to get into a tale of two spies. Espionage, biblical, biblical espionage. Two stories of biblical spying, one that ended in disaster, and the other that ended in success. In fact, it was on the handout that you have. Spies part one, spies part two. But we ran out of time. Spy versus spy. Spy versus spy. Or when I was a kid, there was a Jewish publication that had, the the main character was the spy. And the spy was fighting against the Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination. But that's not what this is. So this is a case of two spies, a tale of two spies, and we're gonna, we're gonna, kind of, yeah, well, almost. That's coming up next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thank you all for joining. I hope you enjoyed it. What a crowd. Unbelievable. We'll take over. It's, it's a good issue. We'll, we'll expand the tables, but it will be awkward if we expanded the tables and then we had a small crowd. So make sure you're here next week. And if you're visiting, visit again. I don't know if you're still here next week. Um, join us next week. And by the way, if you enjoyed today, tell, invite someone else to join. There should be no cap on this. We have plenty of food. It's okay. We'll, we'll make it work. Exactly. Exactly. What could go wrong? All right. Thank you so much. Pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I want to come back, but Jeff and I are away for the next three Sundays. Okay. So if I can link on, you'll know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What I'm going to do is, hold on. Before you guys go, I'm going to add, I'm going to add you to the email list now. So that way you'll get the Zoom link. Correct. Right, because we have the Zoom option. So we'll get you guys on the Zoom. All right. Hey, guys. Hey, Dr. Maxi. Hey, Matt. How's Kansas? Matt, how's life in Kansas? Oh, it is terrific. I just walked through Mount Mitchell Ferry yesterday. It is a small grand ferry that's been protected from nice. different interesting stuff. It's a, such a beautiful place to be. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Oh, I also found there is a local bakery that makes columns. Oh, really? That's awesome. Um, okay, hold on. Let, before we continue, hold on. Did anybody, is anybody not on this list that wants to be on this list for this class? Okay, let me add you to the list. Is anybody not getting the email for this class? 
Okay, tell me your name. Hold on, A-U-R-O. Oh, Aurora, okay. Martinez, tell me your email. Does that look right? Aurora Martinez 390 at Gmail? Amazing. Okay, great. Awesome. Yes, it's a small book. I figure we'll we'll just yeah we'll go through we'll do a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean if we if we keep on doing um oh we'll get you on the list if we um if we keep on doing sessions without touching the inside it'll it'll still take a few it'll still take a little a minute. Oh, you got the book. Oh, good. Good. Perfect. You can take it in the meantime. It's no, because there's a there's um there's an appendix there's like another text also with it. No, it's not so small. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, let's get you guys in. Should Larry? Who are we sending this to? Larry and Elaine. I'll just give you my email address. Uh, yeah. Spell it. B e n u c k. K. ESB205 at Gmail. Wait, but she put you also, right? Okay, there we go. That way we'll send it with one email. You guys will both have it. Amazing. Great to see you. Yes. It's going to be in. Um, good question. Um, where is Tuesday night going to be? Because um, we have a we have a Tuesday night class in the Daily Show. We may do a second one there, or we may do it here. We may do it here. It's about source of the Talmud. I should have mentioned it, folks. Thank you for reminding me. Quick, quick announcement: Tuesday night we're launching a new three-part series, Legends of the Talmud. We've never done this course before. We've done other courses on stories of the Talmud. This is a brand new one, Legends of the Talmud. Starting 8 p.m. Tuesday night for three weeks. Um, I'm not teaching it's taught by Naftali Zakon, and it, I think it's going to be here. I think we'll do it here. All right. Is it possible? Um, is there any possibility to hear it offline? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recordings, and I can send you the the link to that. Yes. Can you send me an email, and then I'll send it to you, and you forward it. Is that okay? Or you can give me, sure. Or we don't have to go in direct. Absolutely. Even better. <laughs> Even better. All right, so let me add you in. Uh, my, my name? Yeah, first name. Uh, it's V-A-S-I-L-I-S-A. Okay. Last name? G-O-L-O-W-A-T-J-U-K. Got it. And email. Uh, so my first name. Okay. V-A-S-I-L-I. Wait, Vasilisa, right? Yes. Okay. G-M-X. G-M-X? X dot C-H. C-H? Does that look right? Vasilisa at G-M-X. Yes. I got that right? Yes, that's right. Great. Okay. Perfect. Great. Great to meet you. Absolutely. And uh, whenever you're in town, stop by. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much.
Pleasure. Awesome. Pleasure. Pleasure. Good to have you here. Oh, for sure. For sure. With pleasure. Thank you. If I send you not today, my wife's uh, contact, sure. could you be included in this? Yeah, absolutely. We send the li- yeah, we send the Zoom link, for sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do that now. That way we don't have to... Oh, cute. I couldn't throw them out. You know what happened? I had extras. You know what happened? What? So, because I'm like... What do they call it? The first lady, the first man. I'm the first man of the principal. That makes sense? Uh, yeah, the first man. So I'm like helping or whatever. I'm, I'm like, you know, just doing my thing. And then by the time we got to the cookies, they were uh, they were gone. We got one cookie. I'm like, who's eating Shams cookies? Who would do that? They rotate. But anyway, they, they were fun. Thank you. This is so cute. I did, you know what I had to this do? This is so cute. You grad- did this? Yeah, 13 graduates. So one setup was all 12, uh, and then I had to have an extra page. So those pages I printed 16 of. Got it. And this one I had to print two of and it's had cute. extra. He makes, so, a, he makes a good sticker. He makes a nice boy. He makes Look a cute sticker. Why should I throw that out? Thank you. Norm, tell me uh, your wife's info. trying to share the contact with you so it makes it a little bit easier so you don't have to write everything. So I just got to get back to Rabbi Shul. Oh, you want to just send me the, the contact? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, I, had, I had you right here. See, this is... Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. It fell out last uh, night, so I got to go and get that put in right now. I don't even know what I'm seeing. Right. I know you're a rabbi. That, that's a <laughs> I think I know you, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, so glad, great. Do you know the story, you know joke about the pirate? <laughs> I ought to cover it with black so the people leave me alone. No, no, I have, a, I have a good joke about a pirate, which uh, I'll share soon. Oh, yeah? Uh, let me, I'm, try, see, I'm trying to see where it says share contact. Okay, uh, share, yeah, there it is. Okay, so it's glad, great. Oh, but I want to share it with you. And uh, that's the difference. Uh, <laughs> it's remarkable. When Hashem decides to make you deaf blind, I'm serious, I don't hear well. Right. <laughs> I'm not seeing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, here, a, let's see. Can I just ty- can I type in here? Maybe maybe I'm, I'll come up under Solish. There you go. So now I should share. I had glad. Oh, I don't know if. Mm. Yeah. I'll go back and do that. Well, you know what? If you could pull her up, and I can type it in. I could just type in her email. Yeah. I was trying to save you. You do all of this work all day long. Nah, an email is the least of the work. Uh, well, you're very kind and patient. And see, I told you, Satanic. <laughs> <laughs> told you. Yeah, I started reading. I started reading Rabbi Edelman's book. Have you read it? Yeah, uh, no. It's really. I have, good. I have not it's read really it. Good, but it's interesting because it ties back in. It ties back in. Toba, great to see you. How long are you with that? Well, at least another week, and then I okay. get an extra week to save them. Okay, well, hopefully. Been on, the, on, the email on this? Yeah. Really? Oh, two. Yeah. So could you put me on, please? I mean, I just assumed you were having it today, but I'd like to. I, I, I used to be on it, and then I... That's weird. Okay, I'm going to look at that. Do you have a different email address or the same? Same. Okay. Thank you. Okay, I got you. Have a good week, Norm. 
You do the same, Toby. You can be here next week. Is that healing? I hope it is. It's not as painful, so I'm assuming it's healing. Good. Take God the bless you. So his book.